Hey friends, let me jump in here real quick to remind you of our sponsor, 25 Transportation and Solutions. That's 25 Transportation and Solutions. They give you quality transportation, delivery services that you can depend on, getting your freight to and from its destination safe and secure. Contact them at info at 25.org. That's I-N-F-O at T-W-E-N-T-Y, the number five, ive.org or you can call them at 240-479-6376 see you out on the road now let's get back to our episode of the truth and coffee time podcast Hey friends, welcome to the Truth and Coffee Time podcast with Diverse Love. I am Denise. And I'm Brian. Get your coffee or whatever your cup of joy is and settle in for some bold conversations, some random topics, a few cuss words, and a whole lot of us. Brian, let's go. Hello, hello, hello. Thank you everyone for coming in and to listen to the Truth and Coffee Time podcast. I am Denise. This is Mr. B and our brand is Diverse Love. And today we are so excited that we have um, Dr. White, Dr. Cosette. Is it Cosette or Cosette? I mean, it's Dr. Cosette. 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 So I, I was right. So we had a bet. I, I said Cosette and he said, no, I think it's, it's Cosetta. So we had a bet. So I'm glad I won. Yeah. <laughs> So, Dr. Dr. White, we're so excited to have you, especially at this time of the year. We're in peak season of tax. Um, we know that you are, have been coined the financial physician. Um, you have you are a best-selling author, national recognized fan, finance and tax strategist. Um, you're an international speaker. You're a philanthropist. You inspire individuals to live their purpose, embrace passion, and a great life. And you help them to bring balance to their work, uh, their work life through making sure that they have healthy finances. You're able to diagnose negative money stories and provide a cure to transform limited beliefs to the sky's the limit. And we're just so excited to have the financial physician on our platform today. So we want to yes. give you a little clap in here. Our editors want to make sure he put these claps in here. <laughs> Thank you. And give you a, 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 a proper welcome, but we're just so excited to have you. And I'm excited to be here. I really, really am. I, I love numbers. I love talking about the money. I love getting our minds in order and just, you know, having this conversation. I love it. Yes, love it. And Dr. White, I know I introduced you, but I want you to tell us a little bit more about yourself, about your brand, about what you stand for. And I want you want you to take that over for me and, and help us to get to know you a little bit. Absolutely. So thank you so much for that grand introduction. Um, as she just said, I am Dr. Cosette and White, America's number one tax and accounting strategist. I work with our tax and accounting professionals to help them grow, scale, and leverage in their firm. 
Um, I do this through courses. I do this through workshops. I am also an internal revenue service a service provider where the tax professionals can get continuing education courses. Um, I like to say that I'm new. I'm not new to the game, but I'm definitely true to the game. I have been around for three decades and um, I truly love what I do. I actually started, believe it or not, you all out of a desire to want more out of life. And it started way back when I was in high school. Um, I was that student that was uncertain what I wanted to do when I went to college. I knew that I was going to college, but I just didn't know what. And I actually had my 11th grade teacher pull me to the side and say, I think you should try accounting. Hmm. And she encouraged me. She encouraged me to take her um accounting class in the 11th grade. I took that course and I never went to the left or to the right. When I filled out all that paperwork, you all, to yeah. go to college, I checked the box, business administration, accounting, and I've been in this lane since that time. And there was a time when I said, let me see if I can shift. I tried to shift, but I came back over into my lane. So okay. that's how I got started in the journey. I'll continue, but that's how it ultimately uh, started in accounting. So tell us a little bit more about that journey, because that was going to be our next question. Dr. Absolutely. A little bit more about oh, and also, what did you shift to? Okay, absolutely. So um, in college, uh, I had my very first job and it was in fast food. Mm -hmm. And I remember going home, asking my grandmother if she would help me do my tax return. And in that moment, she was like, baby, I'm going to need you to go upstairs, get a pen, get a paper, and we're going to do this together. Mm -hmm. So I was in college at that point, and we sat down, we did it. I got whatever amount back, $100 probably, you guys. Yeah, but got, to me, that was a lot. You know, I got $150 back on my first tax return. Girl, I thought, what you say? Back in the day, $150? I thought I was rich a little bit. Right. Right. So, you know, not to age myself, but back then, you all, it was done by paper. We wasn't, yes. I came in just in the nick of time when we started the e-filing, but it was all by paper. Mm -hmm. And so I went to school, started telling everybody I did returns. And so I started getting individuals asking me to do their return. And one thing led to another. Wow. Um, I graduated. And soon as I graduated, um, I worked in corporate America. I did not like corporate America because it was a shift. Yeah. And so I started doing taxes at that point. I started for a hobby, you all. I never, ever thought that I would still be in this lane doing taxes for clients and business owners, et cetera. But I think the journey, because I stayed in corporate America so long and I worked in accounting, I did taxes at work in corporate mm -hmm. America, treasury management, mm -hmm. it just was in alignment. But yeah. I got to a point in corporate America where I thought, let me leave. Let me really go help business owners. Stepping out on faith. Yes. But what happened was mentally, I was not ready. Mm. Mentally, I wasn't ready. And I say that because I had a great paying job. And when I left corporate America, I was not disciplined enough to really get in here and do what it takes to be an entrepreneur. Now, you know, that's key. That's key because we, we've had several entrepreneurs on our platform and I'm always asking them, tell us your journey. Because a lot of people who are wanting to step out on faith, they don't want to hear what, they, they love to see what you're doing now, but they want to hear 
how you got there. And so many entrepreneurs talk about how great it was and I should have did this all along, but there's few to tell the real nitty gritty to say, but I wasn't ready. I stepped out there and I wasn't ready. I didn't have no plan. I wasn't ready, you know? I wasn't maturely. I wasn't ready for a lot of different reasons. And, you know, when you step out as an entrepreneur, Mm -hmm. you need to have money set aside because Mm -hmm. you need, you have emergencies, you have medical insurance, you have small children, you have your overhead here at the house and the overhead in the business. And so really, I just wasn't ready. And I thought I was. And truth be told, when um, I'm sorry, Brian asked, what was the shift? Mm -hmm. I left corporate America thinking I was going to work this business here, the tax business. Mm -hmm. I had also started Mary Kay And I had become a Mary Kay sales director. And I thought, okay, when tax season is over, I'll balance the two. The balance didn't work because I didn't have the discipline in sales. You got to pick up the phone. You got to go out. You got to network. You got to meet. And I was comfortable right here behind this keyboard, this computer. Mm -hmm. But the money wasn't coming in. Yeah. Yeah. And so I got to January and I got my 1099 from Mary Kay. And I looked at it one day and I said, this is poverty level. (laughs) I was like, this is poverty level. Like, how can I, how did I even make it last year off of $14,000? And that's really what I said. Like, how did I make it off of $14,000? Now, remember that was just the 1099, but I wasn't hustling that much in Mary Kay for, you know, to replace what I was making. And so my sister said, listen, How much did you say that was? You need to probably go find another job. And I'm like, I can't. I've been off work for like 18 months. Mm -hmm. I don't want to go back. But reality set in. And I was like, I went back to work. When I went back to work, you guys, this is where the scarcity mentality kicked in for myself. Mm -hmm. I was actually such afraid to leave corporate America again because of the the shock that I had set myself up for. But when I decided to leave corporate America, I was at a point where I was actually bringing in consistently, and I say consistently, 30K per month. It was every single month, it was 30K or above. And it got to a point where I said, why am I going into this J-O-B where I have this consistent income coming in and some people don't make that in a year? So it was at that point. Yeah. It's fear. Mm -hmm. We do it every day. It was fear. It Mm -hmm. was fear because I was like, what if I can't pay the mortgage? What if I can't get insurance? What am I going to do about retirement? Mm -hmm. So- we're this is a real heart to heart conversation because mm-hmm. even though I was teaching other business owners to step out on faith, yeah. manage their money, I still had hangups that I had to deal with. Mm-hmm. But I finally did it, you all. And I will actually say the moment I did it, I never looked back. I never looked back. My husband said, as long as you are disciplined and as long as you get into the office and do what you need to do every day and not look at this as a side hustle, then you will be fine. And so when I did it second time around, as Shalimar says, I made sure that I came in here, put operations in place, sales in place, 
contract, you know, the departments that we have in organizations, the Google, the McDonald's, the, yeah, the Walmart, you know, whatever they have. I was like, you learned this at work. Take what you learned, mm -hmm. apply it, and then the, it just blossomed. So, it just blossomed. So, Dr. White, though, but at that point, you didn't have a team with you. You were just, you were putting things in place as if that that is going to happen. This is what we need to make this successful, correct? Well, at the end, when I knew that I was really close and just getting fed up, mm -hmm. I started hiring virtual assistants. Mm -hmm. Those virtual assistants were not key individuals. They weren't my COO. Right. They weren't sales managers or anything. They were just managing the social media component mm -hmm. of the business, the marketing to get the messaging out. Yeah. That's all that it was. It was not a staff accountant. It was not any tax professionals. Um, the COO that we have in place, none of those individuals were in place. Mm -hmm. Why? Because fear was still inside of me. Mm -hmm. Fear mm -hmm. was like, if you hire these individuals, Cosette, you got payroll. Right. You are right. taking on other individuals' life. So this is something real. Like if you can't afford payroll, you're messing up their livelihood. Yeah. They have mortgage, they have bills, they have daycare, they have everything to pay yeah, for. So do you sense. want that responsibilities on Absolutely. your shoulder? Mm -hmm. But I knew that in order for this company to grow, I had to, I had to just step out and fly. Mm -hmm. I had to be that butterfly and just let go. And trust me, everybody who's listening, trust me. When you say yes, or when you step out on faith, yeah. everything will be in alignment and just fall in place unless you are not doing what you're supposed to. It will, it just kind of, it just happened. Everything, right. you meet your payroll obligation. Don't get me wrong. There are some times, some months where you're like, gosh, how am I going to make it? But you just got to have faith and know that it is going to happen. Believe I me, trust me. Trust me, everybody who's listening. Yes, fear will set in. <laughs> I heard someone say that entrepreneur is not for the faint of, faint of heart. It's not. Mm -hmm. It's not. And you just have to, you put it like this. You don't have to get in here and work seven days a week, you all. But you do have to have some boundaries, some guidelines. You have to be disciplined in order to really make entrepreneurship work. So Dr. White, do you help entrepreneurs um, get their financial health to a place where they can bring in additional revenue as an entrepreneur so they can get to that comfortability level that you're speaking of right now? Yes, yes. And that is particularly what I do with our tax professionals. Mm -hmm. A lot of the professionals that I work with um, are somewhat new. They're not, um, you know, three years. Some of them are brand new, but help them with their pricing, help them with their marketing. Um, number one, I tell everyone, when we're talking about marketing, it's not just making a post on social media. Mm -hmm. We have to really identify who it is we want to work with. Is it nurses? Is it doctors? Is it therapists? Who do we truly want to work with? Podcast show hosts. Right. Well, who do we want to work with? And we have to speak directly to them. Mm -hmm. I can't speak to everybody that's out there on social media because everyone is not me. But if I narrowed into every single podcast host and that's all I talked about, all of your pains, mm -hmm. all of your problems, guess what? 
you're going to stop by at some point and say, let me check out this lady. What is she talking about? So that's part of helping them grow um, and grow and scale. I always say growing and scaling are two different things, you all. Right. But Break those down help. for us, Dr. Dr. White, the gro growing and then scaling. Break those down for us a little bit. Sure. When we're growing, our revenue can increase. But as our revenue is increasing, we're also piling on additional overhead expenditures. So we're not really seeing the scaling. Mm -hmm. The scaling comes into place where our revenue is increasing, but we're at a flat line with our overhead. What do I mean by flat line with overhead? If your overhead is consistently 20K a month, then it's going to stay there and your revenue is increasing, which means your bottom line, your net income mm -hmm. is increasing. When you go to Uncle Sam or get your taxes done, that net income has increased. It's gone from, say, a million to three million. And you but the but the middle portion, the overhead mm -hmm. is staying consistent. It's not growing as the revenue itself. The sales that you're bringing in is growing. Mm -hmm. It's it's flat. That's okay. that's awesome. Um, in in that, when you're scaling, did you find like a niche did did brought you into that? Like was the niche that a particular type of or a group of uh, companies or people that said this made you able to move forward? Um, I will say this. It took me a minute. I went through, I thought I wanted to work with dentists. I didn't. And then when I found that there was a need for individuals to uh, need help in growing their business in this tax and accounting industry, mm -hmm. that's where I niche down. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. As I'm talking to you all, you know, those of you who are listening on this podcast, I originally started out in uh, financial literacy. Mm -hmm. So I, I, I want you, you guys to just hear this story for a moment. Okay. I started out in financial literacy. I personally felt like that was not the niche or the area that I wanted to work in. And so I made the shift. I went into doctors, dentists, mm -hmm. found out that was not the area. I went into tax and accounting professionals. I love working with them. But I'm going to say something. God tells us what to do. We need to watch his steps. We need to listen to the voice in our head. Mm -hmm. God one day, and then recently, just recently, dropped in my lap. You need to go back into financial literacy. You need to help those that are deficient mm -hmm. or having problems. Right. So what I was doing in 2014, I put it in the vault, as I like to say, it was stayed in the vault. And all of a sudden, a phone call came through that said, Cosette, we need you to start talking to our youth in the schools. We need for you to talk to them because they need you. Um, so I'm saying all this, Brian, when you say. When you ask the question of what was what mm -hmm. did I narrow down and how did I expand? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Even though I said I started out in financial literacy and I took the 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 shift over here to stay. I want to do my tax and accounting professionals. Yeah. God has somehow shifted me back over here and said, I wasn't ready for you to do financial literacy back in 2014. You wanted it, but I didn't want you to have it. Mm -hmm. I want you to have financial literacy. I want you to teach financial literacy, but he didn't only say, I want you to teach it. The revenue has since like shifted as well. When I say it shifted and just, I know we're recording, but who bills a half a million 
in yeah. one month yeah. as a result of doing something with financial literacy. Yeah. Right. So that's the, Be, that's being the obedient following, following. Exactly. The exactly. Mm-hmm. That's the shift that I'm seeing in my business right now, because I'm listening not to anybody. I'm listening to my maker. I'm listening to God to say, I need you to get back over here, Cosette. And so I'm, I'm making the shift. And it just started maybe six months ago, the shift back into financial literacy, but it's been rewarding. And it's because I'm being obedient. I'm listening. I'm not saying I'm leaving tax and accounting folks to the side. I'm still working with them, but I'm being obedient. So how do you evaluate? So once you get start getting clients, whether it's financial literacy or tax and accounting, how do you evaluate a client's financial position so you'll know how to help them? So I, number one, I go through a list of questions that I, um, when working with them, I ask um, a little bit about their company, their revenue, their annual revenue. Mm-hmm. I want to know, do they have employees? I want to know, do they have systems set up? Do they have operations set up? I look at what are the weaknesses in the organization. From there, we determine what are the goals? What goals do you have? I look at how can I work to help you achieve those goals. Mm-hmm. I set key performance um, index KPIs for the organization. Mm-hmm. For instance, just say you guys came to me and you said, our podcast show is not performing in the way that I would like for it. Um, we have clients that are making appointments, but they don't follow through. Mm-hmm. Then I would go through um, and determine why aren't they following through? Right. What systems are not in place? Mm-hmm. Where where's the where's the breakdown in communication? Is the sales funnel? Um, are you nurturing your guests? You know, I would go through and determine what are some of the weaknesses in the organization because those weaknesses impact your revenue. Mm-hmm. Those weaknesses that every organization has impacts the revenue. So we need to determine where's the bottleneck, where's the weakness, mm-hmm. and we need to put metrics in place so that we can see an upscale, an increase in, you know, no shows, we want more shows, or an increase in whatever the case may be. Um, if we're talking about revenue, why why is there a bottleneck in the revenue? What is the sales team not doing? What's happening with the product? What's happening with your service? Where's there a bottleneck in the service? Is it a problem with onboarding, offboarding? What can we do mm-hmm. so that we can help you increase your sales? The key performance indicators mm-hmm. are put in place so that we can monitor them. Monitor them weekly, monitor them monthly. Mm-hmm. Weekly is so that we know where we're at so that come April 30th, you didn't reach your sales goal. What happened? Did you guys do enough phone calls? Did you follow up on those phone calls? How many How many yeses? do we need before, how many no's does it take before we get to our yes? Yes. So those are what I help the clients with when we talk about growing revenue. What's the problem? There's something that's not working in the organization that's impacting the revenue. Mm, I love that. I love that. You got me taking notes, Dr. White. I love that. (laughs) So give us, I know you can't say any client's name or anything, and that is proprietary, and I wouldn't ask you that, but do you have a success story, a case study that you can share with us that you helped a client to go from, 
from a negative health financial health situation to a more positive um, financial health situation? Yes, I I have a couple of them. So one of them, um, I can say the most near recent was a young lady that was afraid to shift, make a shift in the pricing, her pricing. Mm -hmm. uh, she offered accounting services. Mm -hmm. And my philosophy, my theme, my thought process is number one, um, in the industry, in any industry, we're looked at, if we use the word bookkeeper, bookkeeper, people think we're just processing transactions. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. If we say accounting, they may add a, a different level of how they look at us. Mm -hmm. So I train everybody to offer virtual CFOs courses or virtual CFO services. Mm -hmm. You're giving more value to your clients. You are putting the KPIs. You're looking at some analytical work. You're helping them implement. You may even go in and do some human resource work for them, do some comp analysis such as, well, we want to pay Jim 40 or $30, but he says he's worth 40. Mm -hmm. We may have to go in and look at the market in different regions. So in this particular case, I had to show her what value are you adding to your clients? Mm -hmm. Why are you adding so much value, but undercharging? You're charging $500, $800. Right. I gave her a scale in everyone that I work with. I give them a scale. This is what you should be charging based on the industry, based on your value. Mm -hmm. Long story short, she went from charging about $800 and I said, look at all the work that you're doing mm -hmm. to $5,500 a month mm. from $800 to $5,500 a month. She got back on the call the following week. She's like, Dr. Cosette, wait a minute. I closed two people this week at $5,500. I went through. What, what was the problem? What was you saying? She said, everything you told me to do, I was already doing the work for the client. I was just undervaluing myself. Wow. So. In 45 days, I think it was about 45 days, her revenue, her, and we're going to go annual revenue, mm -hmm. increased, I think it was, um, I want to say it was 219K, wow. just as a result of making a shift. Wow. She called me, she called me around October, November time, and her exact words were, I'm usually struggling in my business the last quarter of the year. Mm -hmm. This year, I was able to celebrate Christmas and buy the kids Christmas toys, et cetera, mm -hmm. as a result of shifting. She still, to this day, um, has sent me checks or whatever, um, where she's saying, Cosette, I have jumped my rev, I have increased my revenue about 400K already wow. in the first quarter, just from shifting. OK, so sometimes we just need a coach. We need a mentor that's going to help us walk us through. Maybe we don't know. Maybe it's fear. It could be a number of different things. Right. Another client. And I'm going to get off of it. Another client was shipping. Oh, um, that's fine. Keep going. <laughs> she was buying products overseas in the in she's cosmetology. Oh. She was buying um the hair block, the blow dryers, yeah. the shampoo, everything mm -hmm. overseas. Number one, she was paying too much in shipping costs because she was expediting the goods over to the U.S. because she needed them immediately. Right. Mm -hmm. um, that's one cost. The second thing, she made a decision to stop housing all of the product in her garage and have it at a warehouse and have the warehouse drop ship the goods to the customer. So what took place when she decided to have it outsourced, 
the cost increased mm -hmm. because the shipping or the warehouse was delivering goods defective. And so the client started calling saying that the blow dryers were coming defective or the shampoo, whatever was coming and it had spilled out. Mm -hmm. So it was not cost effective for her to continue utilizing that warehouse to ship her goods. They brought them back in house. I had her look at, or we looked at together, some other shipping freight carriers that was less expensive. So that was a reduction in cost. Bringing the products back in-house was a reduction in cost and just shifting some other things that I had her do, which helped save. Okay. That's one. And then we talk about um, tax resolution. Client came to me, his outstanding debt was over 800,000. Got him down to 229 or 249, it was 249. Wow. So just those things and just helping clients really look at it. You know, the tax resolution was something totally different, but that's fighting against the IRS to get that debt down, um, negotiate, so on and so forth. So um, those are just a few. Okay. All right. Let, let's stay right there in the tax resolution. What were some of the steps that you had offered him? Not, not giving away your whole resource or platform, but what were a few of the steps that you offered him to help him to get that? Because we are sitting in a situation too where we are negotiating and talking with the IRS to try and get some of our tax debt down. And they are not always so willing to work with you, you know? Right. They really are not. But I mean, you got to look at the situation. You got to look at the big picture. Mm -hmm. What was the 800,000 composed consisted of? Was it a couple of years? Was it one year? Mm -hmm. Was it um, a lot of penalties? So you have to go in with a game plan, first of all. And the clients, I tell every client, you got to tell me the whole story. Don't tell me bits and pieces. Right. So in his particular case, um, it was a buildup with the Internal Revenue Service. And one thing that I tell all taxpayers, the Internal Revenue Service knows everything. Right. So right. before you think you're going to get over, they already know. They've already done the background. In his case, they did his background all the way back to when he was in college. He's 50 years plus. Mm -hmm. So it could, he couldn't get away with anything. They It was a business. He had a business. They know everything. Yeah. You can't like transfer ownership from yourself to your parents and all that. They know all that. They know how many cars you drive. They know how many jet skis you have. They know your checking account information. They know. Mm -hmm. So it's a matter of coming clean. And in his particular situation, even though he was a high wage earner, when it was all said and done, he did not have any disposable income. Mm -hmm. okay. He had children in college. We know. He probably we know. had about $3,000 remaining. Now you guys may say that's a lot, but he had $3,000 remaining, but he was, he made over 400,000 a year. So wow. um, he didn't have a whole lot. So they negotiated slash some of it off. He was still paying. I think he got us. We got down to probably twelve hundred dollars a month that he was paying. Mm -hmm. um, so it is. It's it's just tactic. Every case is a little different. Yeah. Um, if you are fighting yourself, yes. <laughs> it 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 it. Yeah, I rather we're on re-recording. So if you're fighting yourself, it could be a little different. But mm -hmm. I'm gonna say this. Just stay on top of it. Mm -hmm. Make sure you meet all the deadlines. Yes, ma'am. 
And that's it. it. It's those deadlines. Because a few years ago, we missed one. And it was hell getting back on track. (laughs) Yes. Because that is the one thing that they say. When we put you on this um, payment plan, you must meet all obligations. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, it's kind of null and void Mm -hmm. and blah, 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 blah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Now, in the staying in the same vein of taxes, what are three major things that people should know about filing their 2022 taxes this year? Okay, so being that we are two weeks up upon the due date, mm-hmm. I'm going to say this first of all. For those of us who live in California, Georgia, and Alabama, we have an automatic extension until October 16th, 2023. Wait, so what that states again, Dr. White? Cali- California, Virginia Georgia. Virginia wasn't in there? California. <laughs> California, Alabama, and Georgia Mm -hmm. have an automatic extension as a result to the natural disaster um, things that have occurred this year. So what that means is you don't have to pay any estimated taxes. You don't have to apply or file for an extension. It's automatic. That in most cases is on the federal side as well as the state side. So anything that was due March 15th, our S corps, our partnerships, Mm-hmm. We have until October. Okay. Our individual returns, our corporate returns, our partnership returns, those estimated taxes, not payroll, you guys. I did not say payroll. <laughs> <laughs> not you payroll. Pay you still must pay the payroll taxes. <laughs> but the income tax related stuff is an automatic extension until October 16th. Okay. Other things you want to make sure if you have not made your contribution for your Um, IRAs, you have until April 18th. In those three states, you do have until October 16th to make your contribution for tax year 2022. Mm -hmm. So that gives you a little extra room for some planning. What I say to every taxpayer, don't wait until the month of October to rush and get your taxes done. Get them done now, you all, so that if you have a tax liability, You have some extra time, six extra months to begin to start saving. So if you, you know, you don't have to pay to go on that payment plan, you can Mm -hmm. pay, start putting a little bit aside or just log into irs.gov or Mm -hmm. pay.gov and start dropping a little bit into your account Mm -hmm. for tax year 22, especially if you know you owe the less, let me say that over, the more you pay, the less you will accrue in the penalties and interest, you all, mm-hmm. the less that you have outstanding, the less that a interest will be and the penalties, you know, so. And the more you can. Those have- are two things. Um, the dude, well, those are really, those are really three. So mm-hmm. pay, um, don't forget to contribute to your IRA mm-hmm. and know that there's an extension. And then what I want all of you to do you know, as we're talking about taxes, Mm -hmm, if mm -hmm. you found yourself in a situation where you did owe Uncle Sam this year, Mm -hmm. make sure you guys, I don't care if you are, you think you don't have a lot, take advantage of tax planning. It's to your benefit so that you don't get yourself in this situation. Mm -hmm. Again, I'm going to say it, that goes back to financial literacy, that goes back to being responsible with your Mm -hmm. money. That goes with um, being accountable for your finances mm-hmm. and um, just being better stewards of our money, really. Yeah. So the tax planning. 
It, it don't have to be a business owner for tax planning. Okay. Mm -hmm. It's about being, um, being smarter, you know, being smarter and being proactive and not reactive. Yeah. Okay. So do you feel like I heard you say, say Ira, do you feel like investing helps you with your, with your tax deductions in some kind of way or tax, tax liabilities, even if I'm asking it right, do you feel like if you make certain investments that helps you? Well, I won't use the word investment. What I, well, unless you're investing in some real estate. So, you know, if you're okay. investing in real estate, but I will say, you know, look at some things where you can defer your income, mm -hmm. especially our business owners that have a huge net profit. You want to look at where can you defer income and not pay taxes on it? Mm -hmm. You know, I can't really say, you know, depending on your business you structure, mm -hmm. all those things. Yes. You know, you use the word investing. If you're investing in a home, if you're investing in investment property, Yes, that is definitely a tax shelter. The reason why I always say investing in real estate in from an investment standpoint, you got depreciation. Mm -hmm. You know, depreciation is is not a tan is not money, is nothing tangible. It's a it's a figure that's reducing your taxable liability when you look at your schedule E. Or if you are doing it as an LLC, you have tons and tons of properties and you've lumped them in right. LLC you still have that depreciation, which is helping to reduce the tax liability. So um, yeah, definitely investing and, and just looking at all the various strategies that are available to you from a, um, where you're not putting out money. Got it. Got you know, when it. we say put out money, putting money into a 401k or excuse me, putting money into an IRA is taking money to save money. Mm -hmm. I'm talking about mm -hmm. some things you can do without actually taking money and investing. Should you know, and one tax shelter that a lot of people overlook is establishing a nonprofit organization. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay. So that is a way to set yourself up for success. Take some of the money that's in the for-profit business, mm -hmm. defer it over to the nonprofit write it off on your tax return as a charitable contribution. So should you, if you're doing stuff like that, should you do it before it's taxed or after it's taxed? You want to, well, you want to do it before because um, keep in mind as we get older, we don't have supposedly our, our tax liability is lower. Mm -hmm. So the older we get, um, our tax liability is going to shrink, not our tax liability, our tax rate is going to shrink. Mm -hmm. um, so definitely you want to do it before. When you when you put money away right now, you're deferring paying taxes on it. So you're going to pay taxes on it in your retirement years. And historically, our income is lower in our retirement right. years. Tax mm -hmm. liability is lower in our retirement years. So you definitely want to do it now on a pre-tax, pay the taxes on the back end. Got it. Yeah. Now, I heard you say um, you we should use some uh, planning tools. What planning tools or reporting tools do you recommend for tracking purposes, especially when we're, we're, we're planning toward the year we're planning throughout the year. So by the time it's time to file taxes, we are in a good space. 
So number one, I say to every and anybody, I'm a QuickBooks user. So you want to use QuickBooks. If you're not, you know, Excel or some tool that will allow you to look at your income Mm -hmm. and your expenses every single month. Mm -hmm. The problem with most taxpayers is that they are not tracking their, they're not, they know their income, but they're not really tracking the expenses and they're not realizing that they're spending a lot on a certain different area. Mm-hmm. But if they began to start managing, they will see, oh, my goodness, I didn't realize I was spending that much on entertainment. Mm-hmm. I didn't realize I was spending that much on, mm-hmm. for example, myself. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> During COVID, I was door dashing all the time. But at the end of the year, when I saw how much I gave DoorDash or spent on food, I was like, Lord Jesus, this is a lot. Mm-hmm. So it's small things that add up over a period of time. Right. And if we're not looking at our numbers regularly, then these that's where you say leaving money on the table mm-hmm. or as money is going down the drain. Yeah. So we got to monitor and look at things a lot closer so that we can catch these things early and not later in the year. So yeah. you got QuickBooks. You want to make sure you're tracking your miles use a use there's plenty of apps that we can download on our phone you all to track your miles mm-hmm. and you will be amazed at how many miles you use for business irs actually states that we are supposed to track our miles yeah. there's two questions on the tax return that ask well there's four but there's two that ask did you track it is it written mm-hmm. If mm-hmm. you do not write those miles down, then technically you should not be taking uh, your mileage on your tax return. It is two questions on the return. So QuickBooks, your mileage log, if you are doing any type of cryptocurrency exchange or anything like that, mm-hmm. you know that it is important that you document, document, document. The IRS has a question on tax returns now. Did you have any virtual currency? Yes or no. And so it goes on from there. So those are three critical tools that you want to make sure. That's awesome. Now, when you is that is that new on there, Doctor White, about the it's been on there for about three years. That question. Uh So when you when you put money into uh, cryptocurrency, let's say you're using Trust Wallet or MetaMask, or if you're in Crypto.com or you're using a uh, a central exchange or DeFi. The one thing I do know is that where, however you get it into that wallet off the blockchain, it is a receipt on it. There's a receipt on how much you've put in there. So they would know how much you've spent and that would have to deviate from how much you made. Right. So if you made right. more that year, than you spent, it would be, you would have to pay taxes on it. But if you took a loss that would also be something where you would. They get still wanted, back. even if you took a gain or a loss, it still has to be recorded in the tax return. The question asks, did you have any virtual currency? If it's no, then nothing. But if it's yes, then they're going to look for those additional schedules within the tax return to see if you recorded whether it was a gain or whether it was a loss. You still have to record it. And right. I mean, we all know they're, they're, attempting to crack down on the cryptocurrency, mm-hmm. bitcoins and all of those things. So just make sure you track. I had someone upload this weekend. I looked at, I don't know, he had a long oh, 15 pages. I was like, God. <laughs> <laughs> what what are your thoughts about uh virtual currency? 
What are your thoughts? We, you know, we. we I guess I haven't really dived into it because mm-hmm. I just. I, I I guess coming in, I was like, oh, that's not real. But it it really is real. So I haven't really dived into it to really give you a true opinion. And I guess I'm I I haven't dived into it because I'm like, uh, I'm not gonna get caught up in it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. But I, I have to say, I see a lot of clients that come through here with some great uh gains mm-hmm. and I see some with some huge losses. Some huge losses. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's some, like any I think it's like any other thing. Um, I don't personally, I don't personally have it, but I think it's like any other thing. It's a risk. It is. It's, it's yeah. Mm-hmm. But I, I, I've seen this year alone some large gains. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That kind of caught them off guard as well. Like, <laughs> how am I going to pay this? Yeah. So they have to pay now on the on the gains for virtual currency. They have to pay pay taxes on that. It's all yes. You're paying taxes. Any capital gain, yes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Is is it once you now is it a gain if you leave it where it's at, or is it a gain if as you take it out? Because how it's pretty it, much if you take it out, right? Oh, so yeah. what you're saying. It's I almost it. like you DCA and with the same money if it keeps on going and mm-hmm. going and going, right? Versus mm-hmm. I'm gonna take it out and I'm gonna spend it. Once you take it out and spend it, you have to you have to. Record it and report it as the exactly. yes. It's just like uh, dividends, the dividends that roll over or the interest that we get mm-hmm. in our account. Mm-hmm. We don't have to report all the money every year. We just got to report report the interest that we've accumulated every single year in that bank account. Yep. Got it. Got it. Mm-hmm. Okay, so now, Doctor White, have you ever made any bad financial decisions? Oh yeah. You've been on this journey, and what? <laughs> <laughs> Oh yeah. Well, my first one was when I went into a partnership with a family member. There was no contract in place, Mm. and actually, I got caught with the bag, and um, I ended up we we had a merchant account, Mm -hmm. and I ended up having my account levied because both of us were arguing about who was going to pay the bill, and. It was it was left up to me. I signed it. She didn't sign it. And so that probably was about 25 years ago. That was number one. Always have a partnership agreement in place and partnerships. You do have to file a partnership return. Mm -hmm. Husband and wife, not necessarily have to file a partnership agreement, a partnership tax return. Depends on how the business is structured and how it's set up. Mm -hmm. But um, that was mistake number one. And mistake number two was when I went through my divorce, um, I just made some bad financial decisions and those fat, bad financial decisions caught up with me. Mm-hmm. That's why I say um, to anybody when we talk about financial literacy, I'm the perfect one to talk to you guys about <laughs> it because I had my earlier um, bad decisions that I made when it came to money. It wasn't that I did not know because I did know better. It was just, I didn't have the discipline to do the right thing. That's the bottom line. Didn't have the discipline to do the right thing. Ask me now, I pay all my bills. I'm so like, that 800 on my credit score means a lot. If it drops, I'm like, what happened? What went wrong? So I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'm older and I'm more financially responsible. That's the bottom line. Like, you know, I was a kid, I was young, even when I, 25 years ago with the credit card machine, like I didn't really care. I, I didn't. Yeah. Right. But when they when I went to the bank to pull money out and they were like, well, 
we had we had a levy today. I was like, what? What? Who? Who? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, you know what? You know that old that old saying: <clears throat> when you know better, you do better. Yes, I think they missed a part on it. It it also depends on your maturity once you when you know better. Because yes. if if you're not mature enough to do it, or even in that mindset, you may know better but still not do it. You know, right, right. So, well, well, Doctor White, we have a few more questions for yes, you. Yes, go right we'll ahead. Keep you. But what was the most challenging part of of starting? Uh, what what is the most challenging part you think of of a client starting their healthy financial journey? Like in your years of working with clients, have you seen a pattern of what was most challenging of them just getting started? So, honest, my honest, true opinion is it all starts at home. Mm. It all starts based upon our circumstances, mm -hmm. based upon what we've been exposed to, mm -hmm. the conversations that we overheard, the things that we experienced. Mm -hmm. And that is with any and everyone that I have actually sat with. It could be you were great as a child, but then you became an adult and your relationship was with someone who didn't value money and he or her was a spender. And so somehow you, you fell into that trap, so to speak, okay. and you started spending like your partner. And next thing you know, it was a spiral effect and you were out of control with spending or whatever the case is. Mm -hmm. But we have to really think about what occurs when we're young. Who are we watching? Whether it's our parents, our siblings, our aunts, our uncles, et cetera. It really starts because we are... Um, we, we get impressed by what we see. And so if we see them spending, we think that it's normal. We begin to develop that, that habit, that pattern that we've been exposed to, not realizing that there's consequences on the other end. Uh, that could be spending, you know, young adult, going into your, your adult life. That could be Seeing your peers have nice cars, nice jewelry, nice rides, and we want to keep up with the Joneses. Yeah. Not really taking into consideration that I have a responsibility. I got to pay these, you know, if you're spending on your credit card, I have a responsibility. I got to pay this back. And even though they may know that they have to pay it back, what were they taught growing up? Right. Were they parents, their relatives? Were they responsible with money? What was the dialogue that went on in the house? Mm -hmm. Was it, I don't care about this bill or I don't care. What was it? Right. And here's a great example, you all. Three weeks ago, I was at the high school and I gave the kids a assignment, an activity to go and uh, get their first apartment after college. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And it was basically to see how much money they had left over after they paid their rent. I asked them, what about utilities? What about groceries, entertainment, et cetera, et cetera? The language that came out of some of the children's mouth was, well, I'm just going to pay with my groceries with my EBT card. Mm. Where and how, that's language dialogue that's transferred, communication, conversations in the household, right? Yes, he could have had it with some of his peers. Yes, you see in the stores EBT cards and things now. But nine times out of 10, that's conversation that went on in the house 
with grandparents, with relatives, with aunts, with uncles, or he could even be, you know, go to the store and see his parents using it right. for that conversation to say in front of his peers. And it was a joke. <laughs> I'm just going to pay with my groceries with an EBT card. Mm. And then it got to the conversation of, well, I'm just going to eat top ramen. So again, exposure mm -hmm. and what we hear, see, and think. Remember what we think about, we bring about. Mm. Right. right. Yeah. It's, and, and, you know, with the mindset like that, because I was one of those kids, I grew up, my grandparents raised me and, and neither one of them graduated high school. My, my grandfather had a third grade education. My grandmother had a sixth grade education. They had to work, you know? And so, um, I grew up with a, a huge financial deficit in the mindset. Mm -hmm. And so we now, as grandparents, are doing our best to catch up and leave a generational wealth, whether it be financial or mental or, or real estate. Like, we're trying our best to set that example. But mm -hmm. it has been the hardest road for us because neither one of us had anything. And neither one of us was taught mm -hmm. that, to even have that mindset, you know. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So um, it would have been good because it would have gave you a, like a, a like a leg up. Mm -hmm. in the, it would. It would. Uh, and that's why they have me in the schools teaching the youth, you know, money matters. Um, the different activities that I have them doing, teaching them about credit cards. The other question that I asked the youth was um, if they I asked them to raise their hand if they had a student debit card. And the next question was, be honest, tell me have any of you had your debit card go into the negative? And they all put their hands down, but then two girls raised their hand and then the rest started raising. And I'm like, thank you for being honest. Yeah. But they didn't truly understand how they went into the negative. They didn't understand the concept of they went into the negative because they went to McDonald's, maybe bought $10, mm -hmm. but they got charged the 10 plus the 33, 35, whatever the bank charges. Mm -hmm. And if you don't pay in a certain amount of days, then they're going to continue to add that on. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. teaching them this, they didn't realize that they were being charged. Mm -hmm. My thing was your parents probably bailed you out and you didn't really realize Right? It. Yeah, because I'm but, guilty of but, it. We're guilty uh, of it. So Yeah, really and, and I gave the example. Like, I have a son. He did it twice to me. And he would always say, how could it go through? Well, the bank is in business to make money. And so they're going to continue to pay mm -hmm. for it because they know that, that they're going to get you. Get the fee. You got to pay for it or either mm -hmm. they're going to close the account and then it's going to go to uh, on your credit as whatever they do now, you know, uh, count close, negative yeah. count. So it's setting you up for failure. Yeah. And mm -hmm. you're not realizing this because you were not taught this. Yeah. So again, I'm going to say it starts in the home and that is also why they have me educating the parents because our parents, they don't know. We don't know. I mean, I know, but you know, my grandmother didn't know yeah. what, it, what good is it when we say save your money, right? They don't truly understand what a save your money mean. Yeah. And I'm going to go back to what I just said to you too. <laughs> if we are not leading by example, and they see us constantly buying, but in one in one mouth we're saying save, but in the other we're, they see us shopping. 
that's sending mixed messages to our children, our grandchildren. Yeah. And if it's our responsibility to say, we want to leave a legacy, we want to build generational wealth. Yes. We got to change some of the things that we are doing as adults because the little ones are watching us. Those two-year-olds, those three-year-olds that 10 and 14 are watching us. Yeah. They're not only watching you two, they're watching their mother. They're watching other adults as well. Mm-hmm. 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 I love so it. in that, I mean, the world's changing and it's, it's changing fast. So where do you see like the financial world in the next five years? <laughs> the mouth. I, I I honestly believe, um, Brian, that it is going to get worse before it gets better. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I I just see us in a sham trying to pull out of a hole. That's my personal thing. Um, interest rates are going up. Value of homes are going up. I I, I just I I don't see the the outlook to me doesn't look good. Mm-hmm. You think about two years ago when we first went into a pandemic, even though they gave money, they PPPs, IDLE, all of these things, put money back into the oh, economy. Oh, they're getting it back now, though, right? <laughs> yeah. Money back now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Where are we now? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Where are we now? But the funny thing about it is there's a lot of funding out there that they're still giving back to communities. Mm-hmm. But- I don't, I don't, I don't really see it. Put it like this. If you smart, you're going to take advantage of it and get ahead. But if you're not, you're just going to sit on the sideline. You're missing opportunities. But as a whole, as the U S economy, um, I don't see us. I, I will bounce back. History shows we always bounce back, but not as quickly as we want to. That's my opinion. That is cute. Dr. White, thank you so much. We, we have, just a couple more questions. Go right ahead. And this is now toward um, toward the end before we wrap it up. But I wanted to, to ask, what would be your biggest financial advice that you would give to our listeners to just jumpstart them in the mindset that they need um, to get on a, a better financial health journey? What would be your financial advice for them? I would say, number one, um, do a little bit more reading. I don't mean reading where we're going out on the internet and doing the TikTok thing. I mean, really picking up some books. Seriously, like you're going to get- I agree. I agree. That's why we looked at each other. Yeah, we- you're going to get misinformation or half information and then you're going to come to me like a client came to me and said she was setting up a trust. She said, I, I just remember seeing the the diagram and I said, oh, so you doing some TikTok education? And she goes, she laughed and she said, yeah. And I said, I know exactly what you're talking about. But on the serious side, pick up some books, some good books on on investing, mm-hmm. some books on how to trade. Pick up those types of books. Get you a um an accountability partner, someone mm-hmm. that's going to hold you accountable for when you spend. And if you're really smart, guys, look into starting an investors club. It doesn't have to be a whole bunch of people. It could be five, six people. You guys um, have an agreement as to how much you're going to put away um, every month, every quarter, whatever you decide. Mm -hmm. But have a goal in place as to what are you going to use this money for? Are you going to reinvest it into something? Are you going to get it to a certain threshold and then reinvest it into something? 
But we have got to learn to pull our money together because that's the only way we're going to get ahead nowadays is pulling our money together. But if you do that, remember I said something about partnerships before. Make sure you have an agreement and make sure that all six of you are in alignment on the same page. It could be as something as simple as $25. That's all we can afford. Mm -hmm. Start with the 25, get it to a certain threshold graduate into something else, move to the next step, graduate into something else. I am in no shape, form or fashion saying start with a thousand dollars every quarter. And you know, you guys get to 50,000. I'm not, what I'm saying is start where you can Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and graduate. If that means baby steps right now in today's economy, take those baby steps. But we do know this, Every little thing helps compound interest. Mm -hmm. You take compound interest. I'm going to give you guys another example. Okay. Colleague of mine, he'd sent a screenshot to me at the end of last year. And I don't know why he did it, but he sent the before and after. He sent his 401k balance. um, I think it was 20 years. I don't know. I think it was 20 years ago. And his, no, it wasn't. It was 10. 10 years ago and where his 401k is today. Mm-hmm. It was it was almost at 2 million. Mm-hmm. But the point in the point that he was trying to make to me and the point that I know cuz he's a tax client is every single pay period he's contributing to his 401k and he's at a point where he's maxing out. Mm-hmm. But it's consistency, consistency, discipline consistency, and he doesn't waver. He, mm-hmm. If he finds himself in a pickle, he doesn't change his 401k, even if he finds that he's in a pickle. He continues to contribute that same amount so that he's maxing out. His discipline is starting where you are at and just you know, being disciplined, you guys have that accountability partner. When you're out and about, start asking yourself small questions that may not mean anything. Do I really need this or do I want this? Got it. Got it. Do I really need it or do I just want it? That's more me, not you. I'm the worst. Yeah. And in a marriage, in a marriage, it's got to be, it's got to be one can't get offended if the other is saying, Remember, we had an agreement that you wasn't supposed to get that. It's got to be, I just got your back, baby. That's all it is. It's we in this, it's a unit, it's two. Yeah. The mm-hmm. other one got to support. Because you know it's a balance. One's a shopper and one's a, a saver. Yeah, I'm the shopper. Yeah. And yeah. so you can't, if he's on you, like, remember. And you <laughs> might like, I know. Don't say nothing to me. Put it me. in a headlock. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, y'all know how it goes. Yep, absolutely, absolutely. Hey, I'm My husband called me today and he said, he said, don't get offended, but I got to ask you a question. And I text him back and I said, don't ever ask me, don't get offended. Just say what you got to say. Yeah, yeah, because now I'm waiting on, on what is, is going to be offensive about it. I'm, right. Yeah. Well, but it was a money question. I'm like, don't ask me if I'll go get, just say what you got to say. Mm-hmm. So, so um, Dr. White, do you have coaches and mentors that coaches and mentor you? Because I, I know you coach and you mentor so many other people. Do you have people? I do. I have a coach. I have a business coach. I have a media coach. And um, 
I have a speaker coach. So I have those three coaches. That's awesome. Yeah, that is amazing. Thank you. Pouring mm -hmm. back into you. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Pouring to others. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I feel, how can I coach somebody if I don't have a coach? Number one, I'm not leading by example. And, you know, a coach needs a coach. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I will actually say that um, I've had a coach at every level. Every every level that I've grown, I've moved up to a different coach. Oh wow! Um, it's just I just needed it. Yeah. You know, you outgrow your coaches. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You know, and when you feel like you're I outgrowing, then you got to find someone that's more in alignment with you. And so, yes, I love that. So, Doctor White, what does your self care look like? Because I know me and you talked. We <laughs> talked before we hit the recording button. And we talked about all the many hours that you put in helping clients. And now you're back on your financial literacy. You're, you're going to schools, you know, you're working in the middle of the night. So what does your self-care look like? Well, my self-care is uh, neglect. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I don't totally neglect. Um, my self-care, self in all honesty, is I'm going to say it's not where it should be. But I know where I'm at when I'm at a limit. Yeah. I will just completely shut down. And it may take two days to rejuvenate and get myself back in order. But that's it. Mm -hmm. Occasionally, and I'm just being real honest with everybody that's listening, mm -hmm. I will get out and go for my walks. Yeah. But my self-care is not where it has been, where it should be, excuse me, mm -hmm. Um is just that's that's just honesty. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. The busy, the light. Mm -hmm. mm -hmm. But I will I will say this too. On the flip side, because my self care is not where it's at, my health, meaning my weight, <laughs> shows. Because we're, we're I'm right I, there with you. We're, we're all mm -hmm. like that, right? Mm -hmm. And especially over the COVID period, and 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 now us embarking on this entrepreneurial journey and still working and with the grand joys we both gain weight and we've you, you're right it shows it, shows. it does show we're yes. trying, but it's like double dutch trying to fit it all in you know but I actually say I have no excuse to be honest with you guys because no one is here in the daytime with me at all and it, <laughs> no one no one and I constantly get it like uh why can't you take a break from what you're doing and go for a walk yeah, hey, it's discipline, right? It is. It, is. It, it really is, and it's easier said than done. It's easier right. said than done. All right. right. So in in this part, we always ask our guests um, about any previous episodes. We'll bring up a previous episode that we did. The one just we only want to ask you one. The one we did was season four, episode sixty five, and it was what What's your word of the new year? So. Um, our word of our words of this year, we we came into 2023 with consistency and just being a bit more healthier. And consistency kind of ties right into the healthy part, just just being consistent in our life, in our health, with our podcast, with our entrepreneur, with our you know, friends and family, just just a little bit more consistency. And so we want to ask you, did you have any words that brought you into 2023? Um, that's I'm going to, I'm going to say that's a yes and a no. Um, cause if it did, then it's March and April. I forgot what it was. <laughs> 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 
But what comes to mind is increase in collaboration. Oh, I love it. Increase in collaboration. That's what our last year was collaboration for me. Um, I was able to collaborate on a children's book with a friend of mine. We collaborated on some other stuff with other friends. So, yeah, that is huge, too. It is mm-hmm. to be able to, to even do that. Mm-hmm. And then our next question is, are you a coffee drinker? And if you are, what was your what has been your favorite coffee moment? I am a coffee drinker, but I cannot remember what was my favorite coffee moment. Um, Mine's every day. <laughs> I can't remember like what was the moment. Yeah. Just what's your favorite coffee? Do you have a favorite brand? I don't have a, well, I only drink Starbucks, whether it's the. There you go. Yeah. What do you get from Starbucks? I get um, a caramel macchiato with whipped cream on the top. You sound like another friend of mine who's, she's an author and that's her her thing, caramel, caramel macchiato. Although she just started doing an iced coffee just recently. And she's, oh no, I won't try. I won't even try those. She'll say, I'm going to Starbucks. Do you want me to get you anything? And I don't take anything in my coffee. Mm -hmm. Just straight black, right? And I'm like, no, I don't want anything. And she'll say, you sure you don't want one? I'm like, no, I can do it right here. I, I don't. Not spending yeah, three dollars on something that, that I can do right here because he just drinks black coffee, so he doesn't. It's like why spend the money? Well, and my he, son has been getting up on the weekends going to get coffee, and I said to him, "You acting kind of old now. That's what an old man does: get up and go get coffee." <laughs> Our, ours does too. Our baby does too. You know, so at thirty, at 30 years, he'll drive all the way just to get his cup of coffee at five thirty in the morning. I'm like, "Hey, mom, yeah. you want something? Yeah, where are you going?" That's not good. Well, and I said it's coffee in the kitchen, and he said that's not the same kind of coffee. <laughs> and I said, okay, sounds like it. Sounds like it. they both right. the same. Well, thank you, thank you, thank you so much. Where can people find you? Shout uh, on social media or website. Give us a little shout out of where people can find you. We're also going to be putting those that your contact information in our show notes as well. Absolutely. So you guys can follow me on all social media outlets at Cosette and White. I am on YouTube at Dr. Cosette and White. Um, The website, the business website is myfinancialhome.com. Or if you want to look me up, my brand website is Cosette and White. So either one, um, Cosette and White, you can find me. (laughs) If you put it in Google, you can find me. I was right. waiting for when you send your website. I was waiting for you, Cosette, to say um, www. Yeah. No. <laughs> uh, because I uh, look, I always said it. My husband's always like, "Honey, you showing your age. You don't have to do the www." <laughs> but now, look, now I have to do it because it's just this running joke now that. Mm-hmm. And I'm, and every guest that we have, I, when they give their website, like I'm sitting intently waiting on them to. Nobody says it but me, so I must but you- really. <laughs> Yeah, I stopped a while ago because I'm like, nobody says it anymore, www. (laughs) What parting words or words of advice do you have for the listeners, Dr. White? I'm going to say to each of you, as it relates to financial literacy, we have got to learn to pay ourselves first. Mm -hmm. That is the most important thing. Make sure you have your accountability partner and do some tax planning. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I love it. And we we broke down a plethora of notes. So <laughs> thank you. Um, thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much, everyone. Dr. Cosette M. White, 
the financial physician. We are so pleased. And, you know, Mr. B, you have any last words you have to say to Dr. White before I close it out? No, we're going to talk after. I got I to gotta ask her a question, but I don't want this online. <laughs> okay. <laughs> we're so we're so grateful. Thank you so much. I'm grateful you guys to you. Grateful to your team for reaching out to us, please. We just, we loved it. Thank you. My pleasure. My pleasure. Thank you. So everyone, uh, Dr. White's information will be on our show notes. She gave us a whole dinner uh, with a dessert and we're just loving it. I hope everyone is able to, to grab this knowledge and pass it on and reach out to her. If you need any financial literacy, if you need her to help you get back into that financial health journey, please reach out to her. We thank y'all so much for, for joining us on the Truth and Coffee Time podcast. Our website is www.diverselove.com. You see him shaking his head, Dr. White. <laughs> www.truthandcoffee.com. We love y'all for real, and we are so happy that you guys are listening to our podcast wherever you are, and you allow Dr. Cosette White, Mr. B, and D to come into your home, your car, or wherever you're listening as we share our truth over coffee. Thank you, friends, for hanging with us. We got you. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast, and also, please follow us on IG facebook and twitter our social platform is at diverse love that's d-i-v-e-r-s-e-l-u-v and don't forget you can listen to our podcast on anchor spotify apple google or wherever you get your podcast fix thank you friends we love y'all for real okay me take us out it's truth and coffee time Girl, you always on my mind, looking like it's truth and coffee time. Tell me what you really want to know. Girl, it ain't-